0: Don't let data disasters slow you down. Crash Plan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to Crashplan.com slash boss project for 50% off your first year of Crash Plan. That's CrashPlan.com slash boss project for 50% off your first year. Back up better with Crash Plan. So I have a really wild story and I need your opinion on
1: it. I love to give my opinion about things. <laughs> uh, okay. That's kind of why we have this show. <laughs>
0: Valid. valid. <laughs> okay. So I'm not one to discuss what could potentially be
1: gossip or hearsay. However, oh, my favorite. I also have a whole tangent on reclaiming gossip oh, okay, well, active gossip. Well, well, so I'm well, here. Yeah. We'll
0: get there. However, I did hear this directly from the business owner. It was affecting. And so that's, while gossip, it's, that's firsthand experience. Well, exactly. So yeah. while it's uh, her opinion and her side of the story, it does make one wonder what the other side of the story might be. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who've been long-term listeners, you are probably aware I am a Shark Tank junkie, right? I have watched every episode of every season. I'm very dedicated, okay? Well, for those of you who remember way back, Damon John duped me, right? Do you remember this story? Yes, I do remember (laughs) this story. You were devastated. I was so freaking frustrated. I'm not going to get into that story, but trust me, I was duped. It was a bait and switch. It was a bait and switch. It was very frustrating. And since then, I've been very skeptical of this man. Well, last night... I see this headline pop up. I know it's on TikTok, but like I said, it's coming from the other business that it's affecting, right? And it says, Damon John seeks temporary restraining order against Shark Tank contestant. What? And I was like, wait, 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 what? (laughs) So I don't know if you guys remember, but I mean, this would have been years ago. There was a contestant on the show for Bubba's Boneless Ribs. And it was an older gentleman who had been barbecuing for eons. And it was a family-run business. And they were trying to get it in, you know, different grocery stores, all the things. I very vividly remember the pitch. Well, the restraining order was denied. Oh. And there is significant, juicy potential investigations that need to be had because the daughter of the man who invented this boneless rib product and is active in this company has publicly stated very publicly that they have been told that there has been $18 million worth of product sold. However, none of that money ever hit the business bank account. What? Literally ever. And the family has only received $650,000. What? Broken up over eight years. So no money. And before taxes. What? And she is saying that Damon John and Ristelli F- Foods are publicly claiming that the only profits that were distributed at all were the six hundred and fifty dollars or $650,000. And she said, Do you honestly believe that the three parties would stay in business together for eight years if there weren't other funds? And I
1: just lost my damn mind. So then what Damon is just like, trying to turn it into a different PR thing by doing the restraining order request or what? I think he filed because she has
0: been trying to get answers for her family and he's like, I'm not dealing with your shit and
1: I'm going to file no, her. this far away. And the judge is like, no. Yeah. Isn't that this is legal? Like a legal dispute?
0: It's a legal dispute. And so she's saying at this point, the only way that this could be settled is if someone does like, and like the IRS does an we audit. To investigate. And there would have to be forensic accounting that would be done because they refuse to put it like I literally don't even understand from a business perspective how they could not ever put the money from the product in yeah. in
1: the banking. Like I just feel like there's so much y'all open up like a different bank account and but like I feel like man, those contracts have to be ironclad from the Shark Tank relationship, like the attorneys that are present in that room, I feel like. Yeah, yes. I don't know. I don't
0: know. And so it makes me wonder, like, what are other businesses giving up in terms of visibility for their own company? Because it can grow so exponentially, so quickly. And I know Rustelli Foods is the co-packer. And I mean, for years, If you watch Shark Tank enough, you would know that Rustelli Foods represents a lot of Shark Tank food products. And I'm just, my eyes are crossing and I am just like, holy shit. So I am really interested to see if there is an investigation and I'm interested to see how it affects the PR of all the other sharks, because these are some of the richest business people in the country with the most visibility, whether they're the richest sure all in all is you know questionable but they're up there they're up there for sure like many of them are billion dollar I mean the billionaires yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, I can't say I'm surprised no I'm also just like so frustrated for the small businesses out there that like this is their dream they want to go on this show
1: and and I'll tell you what y'all the amount of conversations that Abby and I have behind the scenes about like Especially businesses with any sort of overhead that's outside of just people and tech, like product, kitchens, licenses, shipping, all of those things that can also be a part of a business. Like the amount of capital needed to grow and then maintain. Like there are businesses that have been shut down. There's an incredible article many, many years ago. I think it was called something like the Oprah Effect. And it's about like, smaller, medium-sized businesses who went out of business because they were featured in like Oprah's Favorite Things or her magazine. Because while it's great to have all these sales, if you don't then have enough money immediately to pour in for shipping, customer service, ordering new product, you're going to go out of business because people are unhappy. And that happened. Not to mention the blip,
0: so like it because it's not necessarily sustainable. I mean, mm-hmm. at least with I would like to think with Shark Tank, if it's a proven product and it does well, they try to not invest in things that are going to be trendy. Right. Um, right. But Oprah's favorite
1: things, it literally could be a month of sales and then that's it. Yeah. Like we personally knew someone who this happened to. And like she poured in tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in product and storage of that product and distribution centers and everything. And then it all just dipped, like it fell right back down.
0: Oh, it gives me chills. It makes me so angry. Uh, Okay. Before we move on, tell me how and why
1: you want to reclaim gossip. Well, okay. I've been, TikTok again, has been talking about how this could be an hour-long TED Talk, I feel like, so I'm going to summarize it. But as you all know, there are many, many words, phrases, behaviors, personality traits, etc., that are weaponized and demonized if they are too feminine. Or if only women or female-presenting people do those things, then they are villainized, right? Gossip tends to be a thing that only women do, and it's villainized in the sense of like, mean girls and you're talking bad about people and you're spreading rumors or like gossiping in and of itself is seen as a like a negative connotation. But the education that I've been seeing on TikTok is about how gossip in and of itself is just like it's spreading information, right, to other people. You're delivering news, insights, stories. It's not storytelling. It is literally updating people on things about people, about companies, about whatever. And in its like original form, gossip in and of itself is, has been literally used to keep specifically women and minorities safe. And the gossip train, the quiet secrets, the hush hush, the writing notes, the, all of the things has literally has history in keeping human beings who are non-white males safe. And what better thing to do than to continue to keep people unsafe and, and not do that behavior is to make people feel bad about themselves as a human being for doing that behavior. Like we all hear the things of like, oh, I'm not a gossiper. I hate gossip or I don't associate with people who gossip. I do. Come at me. Come share the news that could keep me or my family safe or my friends safe. I need to hear this information quietly, safely. In order to stay safe. And so I just like reclaiming words that men have decided are icky because mm-hmm. women
0: do it. And And honestly, that was my first reaction to this story. This is a black family from the South. Yep. Yep. And they're taken
1: advantage of. Yep. And, and-, and they're being told to stay quiet, stop mm-hmm. spreading rumors. Stop mm-hmm. talking, mm-hmm. stop sharing this information, mm-hmm. stop mm-hmm. gossiping about it. You don't know your facts or whatever they're being told. Because they don't know anything because uh-huh. they're being
0: kept from their own information in their own goddamn company. And it's yep. freaking
1: frustrating. Gossip is what gets you in new rooms and it's what keeps you safe. Ooh, so I'm yeah. a big fan of it. Speaking of, but um, speaking of opinions, opinions, we have them for you today. Like Truly, this conversation is also geared and shared in the way to keep you safe and your business safe so that you have a little bit of a lift of the curtain, like a peek behind the scenes of reality. And I feel like a lot of what we've been sharing here lately is a what I wish I would have known Eight years ago, five years ago, whatever, and that's gossip. And so we're here to gossip business with you. And I can't wait for you to dive in. As always, we have the show notes and any links mentioned today prepared for you over at bossproject.com. So don't forget to head over there to check out more information. Well, you want to talk about teams and culture and companies that that have values? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to work on this transition.
0: I think we might need like a segment change huh. yeah anyway
1: maybe we should start introducing a like boss project news segment so it's like life updates and then is there anything new going on at bp and then that can segue into you know what
0: if you have opinions about how we should run this podcast let us know. feel free to let us know <laughs> i know there's been mixed debate on the life updates but you know
1: i've only heard positive things if you have oh, a negative I've definitely thing, heard
0: lots of negative things too so it's all up for debate anyway We are... It's my show and I have more downloads than ever, so... It's true. It's true. I'm not. (laughs) It's fine. We are focused on team culture today. And so it's been really interesting. We've had a broad mix of clients this last year. And more than ever in the last few months, it's been really clear to us how centric defining our values has been
1: and us ultimately operating our team. I did not realize how much we relied on them. I didn't like, either. referring back to them.
0: I didn't either until some things came to light with some clients and mm-hmm. I was like well, and even team
1: discussions like yeah. we can hear those too where we had to be like wait why are we still discussing this? This goes against a value or this is how living in this value would answer this debate or whatever. Yeah, totally. So
0: what are values and why are they? What are values?
1: Well, <laughs> I mean, what are
0: they to accompany specifically? I'm sure all of you know and understand what a value is in your life. And you may say things like, I value my family and what that has meant to you over time has been showing up for them. But when we start talking about values within your business, I think often these are the kinds of things that are assumed initially. And as you grow, you have to be incredibly strategic because initially, your company operations are typically a reflection of you personally. But as you grow, A, that doesn't always make sense because you don't necessarily want everyone on your team to just be a carbon copy of who you are. But simultaneously to that, you also need to be more intentional about there may be things that you're not as strong in, but you find them important and you want to foster a community and a culture where you make them important. And so defining what they are and how you live in them is critical.
1: Yeah. I think it starts with you know, you start your business and generally like you're starting it for a reason. You're escaping something that you didn't like in your other career, or you're shifting your focus and changing your style because you got burnt out in something else. So typically there's like, I want to avoid going back to that. And that's how you kind of assess like the vibe, right? First, I feel like it kind of feels like the vibe of your business and how you show up for people. But I think as you start to work with more and more clients, I would encourage you, even if you don't have a team yet, to at least identify one to three values that typically can help you focus around how you're going to be serving clients. You can ask yourself questions about your boundaries or communication preferences or like work style or ethic. All of those kind of lenses can help you shape the vibe and values of your business it can be something about how you're showing up with clients like the attitude that you're going to have maybe like you left a career or a job that was just so like super professional and like very strict or firm or whatever and like you want to infuse fun and personality into your company and like fun is a value of yours and what does that mean right but i think especially as we start to add on contractors and employees Having an internal value that is very specific to how your team collectively runs is critical to your team culture, to getting everyone on the same page, even if they show up in their own unique way in that value a little bit differently. I think it helps settle a lot of conversations about, should we do this or should we do that? And if you always have it from the lens of what would our value say to that question, it can help really make the final call on a lot of things. If you've been like him hawing on some stuff and what I have found really helpful, and I didn't even realize it would be as helpful, but like you always know when you have to have those kind of redirecting conversations with clients, with contractors, with team members, it doesn't matter to realign on your values or expectations. You have like a, let's reset those expectations kind of call with that person. This is like the easiest tool in your tool belt that you can pull out and be like, here's why we're feeling out of alignment, because it's going against this value. And here's what that means. And here's what we're going to do instead.
0: Yeah. So I think the best way to start to identify what these things are for you is to see how they're showing up in other businesses, because I often see that when you can see it somewhere else, it's a mirror back to you of, oh, this is something I'm naturally doing, but I haven't necessarily talked about it or I haven't necessarily put an emphasis there. I think a great example is Zappos. Like For eons, they have been incredibly customer-centric to the point that people on their team that aren't in customer service are often playing that role, and doing things really above and beyond. And there's been whole books written about this value being so integral to their team, I definitely encourage you to do some research there. But I'm sure you've also seen I wish I could remember the name of the company because it's escaping me. But there's a couple very large companies that are similarly really value the client experience to the point that regardless of what title, what... I think Chewy is one. Maybe, very possibly. Regardless of title, there are some larger companies at this stage that are making you play. You have to be in a certain role for like the first two weeks or six weeks. I mean, it, it varies by company, but they make you intentionally sit in a certain position within the company. So you get a better view of what it's really like for your end customer. And how that ultimately plays into your role can have a massive and long term effect on you showing up in that way. And so, you know, when we started investigating what should ours be one, I think some of it had already been things that we had been doing and saying for a long time, we just had never defined. But I also just found so much benefit in looking around. And so typing in one of your favorite, and it usually has to be a larger company, most smaller companies. This is something they typically keep private or on an internet of sorts. But a lot of large companies, especially publicly traded companies, you can Google the name and values and you'll get a splash page, that you read all about it. And I just found so much inspiration from that and could instantly kind of see if they were doing a good job of it, how they naturally already showed up in it because we did make it such an intentional choice.
1: Now the step that you non-negotiable have to take after you identify your values, because you can't just have a list of five words and feel confident that you're going to live in those and that your team is going to live in those and your clients are going to follow them and everything is going to be great. You have to add, I think it's four, yeah, four steps to each value that I really want you to spend some time on. You have to actually define what the value means to you because you saying a value and us saying a value could mean entirely different to us than how you interpret that word. What does it mean to you? Why is it important to you? Why is it listed here, right? Like what's the point of that word and explain it in the lens of your business, your company, serving your clients, selling, whatever it might be. And then I need you to break down how can people on your team, your clients and yourself actually show up in this value? What are direct behaviors That would show you, oh, this person is really living in blank value, right? Actually map it out. I want to hear like three to five bullets. What does it mean to live in that value and show up in that value? And then I want you to do, what does it look like to not live in that value? But what you can't do, and here's the trick, is you can't just tell me the opposite of what you told me above. It has to be a very clear, specific action behavior, way of doing things, mindset that would be in conflict of that value.
0: And you can't just say not or do not as the start. Don't start start with that.
1: You need to start with an action action verb.
0: An action verb for Mm. every single one.
1: Ignoring, working. Failing. Failing. Right. What is the word? And that word can have a negative context, but like, what is the word? What is the sentence? Right. And then the last section I want you to think about, and this one's a little bit harder, but and they can kind of change over time. You can kind of edit these. It's technically the reflective questions section, but it's there for you to put some curiosity questions that get you or your team to kind of do a self-check, a check some balance on am I living in that value? These are questions that you could also pull up in one-to-one check-ins with your team member of like how do you feel about, and then answer the question, right? Do you feel like you're living in this value? If I ask you blah, 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 but it can be a really cool filter for like, if I'm feeling icky about a client, maybe it's because they're like not showing up in this value. If I ask myself these questions, what do I need to be doing to support them and being able to show up in that value?
0: Want to learn exactly step-by-step step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? Now, the incredible thing about defining these, we won't spend too much time on how to get them all set up, but once they're in place, they help you identify all these other aspects of running your business. And I think for so long, most people who start a business and grow rapidly end up in a situation where they have delegated loosely some things to other people they have offloaded yeah I wouldn't say delegated they They have not delegated Delegated shit shit. (laughs) they offloaded and assigned some people some things and they wake up one day and they feel like they're just like treading water and the team is technically doing things on the to-do list but it's not being done to the standard they had in mind, and they're not necessarily showing up the way they had hoped. But I see more often than not that CEOs end up in this blame game where they start blaming their team for not doing all of these things when one, it was never communicated on the front end anyway, or properly delegated. And additionally to that, there was no standard set for someone to meet. And thus, you be able to say that they're not showing up the way you would expect them to. And so your values are the foundation of you setting your culture in place. And we ultimately developed last year a team playbook that take not just your values, but how you show up in all ways that applies to the entire team. Now, are there things that are individual to certain roles? Absolutely. That's not necessarily what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about things that anyone and everyone would encounter. Things like meeting etiquette and behavior like surrounding communication. Anything that would dive into the HR aspects of their role, getting paid, time off, benefits, all of that stuff. Putting a centralized location in place that Your team not only can reference, but you can utilize as an onboarding tool so that you can immediately, when someone becomes a part of your team, use it to indoctrinate them in a positive light, how you expect people to show up. Because so often, it's not that people won't do these things. If we don't make it clear how things should be prioritized, They're going to prioritize based on their own set of values, and that can create tension in a team if they're not in alignment from person to
1: person. But I want to give an example of a discussion we had even internally to share with you how we even needed to be actually reminded to look at our own values and use it as the kind of tiebreaker to a discussion we were having So I thought it was really interesting because the discussion started because we were living in our value. And it got heated because we needed to realign ourselves with that value. So it was just really interesting how we kind of touched on both aspects. But before I give you the example, I want to remind you or point out to you that we have a very healthy level of encouraging conflict within our team. We... Absolutely, make it understood that every team member has an opinion and can share their opinion, and we will hear it. We want to hear different perspectives and takes. And ultimately, it's not just me and Abby making the final say. This isn't like, what is it? Type of governing policy. Dictatorship. Thank you. (laughs) That's not what we have here. But we also aren't seeking consensus. At the end of the day, we will absolutely. Fall back on what does the value say that we quote unquote should do? What's the decision here based on the value? Which decision lives us more in alignment with that value? And that's the one that we're going to go with, even if there are people who disagree with that. Because we also have to back all of this up a disagree and commit policy. So, not every decision, every team member is going to agree with, not every plan of action or way of handling something. But ultimately, if it's the way that the team is deciding to go, we're going to commit to that and move forward. So knowing all of that, we, Abby and I, marked off our time off days for 2022, like at the very start of 2022. And it was really just a discussion between her and I It was the first time we had a large team. We were having a bunch of employees. We wanted to put in the time off on the calendar so that it actually happened. And we were testing with some ideas of longer breaks, a summer break, the offices being closed, not just around the holidays. So we mapped out all the time. One of the times it ended up being a two-week time off in the middle of the summer. And we've talked about that here in the structure of how we prepared for that and how that worked here on the podcast. So you can search and find those. Well, so after we had the break, we were hearing a little bit of chatter from various team members that they loved it or they didn't love it or they had this opinion or whatever. So I decided to just create an anonymous survey and we had everyone fill it out about their experience with that time off. Did you think that it was too long, long enough? Did you think that the time of year was appropriate? Did you feel like you got to like actually like check out and go do some fun stuff? Like what were your opinions? So the consensus that came from that was that it felt Too long in the middle of the year when other companies weren't closed, it felt like we were the only one closed and it like prohibited us from doing our jobs well and it made other things feel kind of stressful. And it felt like other people would rather have shorter breaks, but more of them throughout the year. So we took that feedback. We filed that into next time we map out time off, we're going to go look back at those opinions and those results and we're going to map it out. Well, so it impacted still the discussion of how much time are we going to take around the holidays? Because having two weeks off in the middle of July is one thing, but having two weeks off for Christmas and New Year's Eve is a completely different thing, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And so someone had brought to the table that we should potentially reopen the office sooner than we had originally discussed. And I think we all entertained it yeah, with an open mind and wholeheartedly about I hear you and I see why you're saying that. And I definitely remember all the feedback we had about July and all of the things. And ultimately, we came back to my first thing was primarily honoring what we had already decided right. because it had been put in place a year ago. And I know it's odd to like, why would you put time off in place a year in advance? Well, pretty much every big corporation does does that for their employees so that they can plan vacations around it and all sorts of things. And so us changing those dates, even though they were technically in the next calendar year, it was still related to a break that was happening in this calendar year. And I didn't necessarily feel like we could make that change to the team when we had already announced the change. But ultimately when we looked at it, it was like three or four members of the team would not have childcare during this time anyway, like kids are out of school. And most of the team would have made the change because we could, but not necessarily because we wanted to like, that seemed like an odd reason to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, and ultimately it became clear, regardless of if the change could work out or not, the purpose behind this team member wanting to shorten it was because of some anxiety around if we're closed, are we going to miss out on sales? If we're closed, are clients going to be impacted? If we're closed, like all of these negative things could happen. And so I encourage this person to, if your anxiety is going to hypothesize in the negative, then you also deserve to hypothesize in the positive. And could taking this break bring out new ideas and a refreshed attitude for 2023? Could taking this break mean that our clients also get a break and they come ready and wanting to start even bigger packages with us in January? Could this mean, right? Insert any positive result of taking break and space? Could it lead into something great? But ultimately, we decided to A, stick to the original schedule, but also didn't feel bad about the two weeks going forward to take that amount of time off because we reminded ourselves of our life first value and knowing we say it right there in the definition that rest inspires productivity. If you actually believe that, which I do, if you actually believe that, then the break isn't the problem. It's actually a good thing.
0: Yeah, and part of that is truly learning how to rest. Yes. And so part of it, I know, a big issue that I think a lot of the team faced with the break in July, is it probably took half the break to fully lean into the rest yeah. aspect of it. Yeah. And so that made it really challenging to enjoy. <laughs> but specifically around the holidays. I was like, man, like just knowing even if your amount of obligations with family is low, it's still like half of that time that you're you're going to be distracted doing other things Mm -hmm. and not necessarily fully leaning into rest. And so rest was still an important part of this aspect. And I do know anytime our team fully rests, it does take a while to get back into gear. It does take a couple weeks to fully—I mean, not even a couple weeks. It definitely a couple days a couple to days, like, yeah. a couple days to fully get back into the swing of things, and then a couple weeks to see the results of right. it. Right. But January is always slow. So like, January why is are we?
1: Why are we worried about it? Like, and I are- think it's so funny because I know we've already decided to stick with the plan, but I also—it's just something I'm realizing right now—is that it might not be the best idea in our busiest season ever, to make a decision about rest when you know it's going to be one of our slowest parts of our seasons ever. It's hard to make a decision when we are working a lot right now because it is our busy season. Third quarter is always our busy season. This month specifically, September, August, September, October, get like bananas for us. You feel that kind of frazzled energy. And if you let that impact your decisions of how you think you're going to want to work in the future, when like, literally not to get too woo on everyone but like nature takes a rest and has to pause and that's happening in January for us here and like things are like literally dead and dying down so that they can have the energy to come back and we all deserve that space also
0: and i i'm excited cuz you know we had that conversation and i think initially there was still some tension there like did sure. we make the right decision and is Are we moving forward in the right way? But I think if you're committing to your value, there's nothing bad, not that nothing bad can happen, but like people will generally come around to the idea if they see where it's rooted. And so even though there was a disagreement on how to move forward, seeing where it's rooted is a really positive thing to infuse into the culture of your business. So much so that the same person that had brought it up to our attention, proposed next year's dates, and left the two-week break (laughs) at Christmas. And I just thought that was so interesting. I mean, and a very positive thing. But I will say, for those of you who are interested in, well, how are you kind of restructuring the time off with, you tried the two weeks in July, and are you going to do it again? And the short answer is no. We're listening to the direct feedback we had from our team and we got a variety of people that were much more interested in shorter breaks more often rather than one long period of time. And so we are still going to have a long break at Christmas because most people are closed anyway, yeah, most people are out of work anyway. Yeah. And and we're going to stick to that. But throughout the year, we I looked at a timeline and we projected out we took what we had last year and made things similar where we already had shorter breaks, but the couple that were just a day, so like a Friday, or in the case of Labor Day, a Monday, we looked at extending to a four day weekend rather than three in a couple of positions. And then I mapped it against the calendar year. And notice there was a gap at the beginning. And so we had originally had the end of winter break in January, but the next break wasn't until Memorial Day. And so we added a spring break in alignment with what would be spring break for several team members' children. And it's not perfect. Like, it's still going to require that people take their own set of time off. Yeah.
1: This is in addition to you also needing PTO for your own life events, whatever, children things, sick things like that's not counted into this. This is just for sure, scheduled, planned, guaranteed time off.
0: Right. But when we mapped it this way, it became really evident that now we had a break every other month, With the exception of the end of the year, where November, December, January, there was days off in all three months because of the holidays. And all of a sudden, it felt much more in alignment, and I'm excited to test it again. And while we're not testing other things at the moment, I definitely know that because we're fostering a culture of experimentation This is going to be the days the company is closed, but that doesn't mean we won't experiment with other alternative things in terms of how the team communicates or how we
1: operate. Well, when we enacted this previous summer, we did Quiet Fridays and we've kind of kept some of those aspects where one of the kind of rules for Quiet Fridays was expect a little bit slower Slack response from team members. You can be in and out responding. And it would be more independent work instead of collaborative work. And there would be no recurring meetings on Fridays that you would have to always show up for. That felt really great and beneficial for the summer. It's not as needed in different seasons. And so right now we're not sticking to all of those same rules, but we're just leave the opportunity as the year progresses and as season changes for what does our team need right now? What do we need? Right. And so
0: I absolutely think it's important as someone who's like sitting in what ends up being a lot of those like HRE kind of decision making roles, you definitely need to revisit your team playbook once a year and look at everything you've said is like the precedent and see what changes need to be made. And also know that while this is the guidepost, you can still try new things and experiment with New things throughout the year. And it doesn't mean it's the only time you can ever make a change to your employee handbook. Like, oh, God forbid we change it six months in. It's like, no, like you can make changes at any time based on anything that happens. But this is a natural time to be reflecting anyway. And so utilize that time to not just look at time off for your team, but look at all the aspects of how you're running your business from an operational perspective look at what systems need a refresh look at what project management needs to be tuned up look at what are the benefits and are they changing or are they being adjusted how are you doing performance reviews what salary changes are coming how do you need to change your budget to accommodate any of those benefit adjustments this is such a natural reflection point and while Ultimately, especially on the system side, you might see the things right now. It doesn't mean everything needs to happen in this moment right now. Just like take
1: inventory. Yep. And because you know what? When you're sitting there throughout the year and you come to us and you're like, I don't know what to work on right now, it's kind of slow. It's this list. Yeah. <laughs> it's like,
0: it's the list that you notice when you were busy.
1: Yes. And yes. so,
0: Take that inventory, make that list, and then make those adjustments as you have more time. I know in December and January this last year, we made a lot of adjustments to Google Drive and Dropbox. And I know we are due for another cleanup Definitely, and that will likely happen in Q1 of next year because this year is turning out to be really busy, which is incredible. And so I... I'm excited for you guys to dive in and really start thinking about how can you define these things that ultimately set up your team for success. If you're not sure where to start, though, if you want some guidance walking through what this process could look like, we do offer coaching around setting up your team playbook. And while ultimately you need to be doing a lot of the decision-making into what needs to be happening here, we would love to help assist you writing the playbook, putting it up in a place that your team can access and developing that internet. So you're welcome to reach out to us at bossproject.com slash waitlist. And we can have a conversation about what that would look like. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op